One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Every team has their own wrestlers. But this is for wrestlers everywhere. Wrestle hard. All right, welcome back to the new Mindset Monday podcast brought to you by Wrestling Mindset, the only wrestling-specific mindset training program anywhere in the world. Make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and make sure to mention this podcast with Mindset Mike and Jack Mueller when you sign up for your free trial session at WrestlingMindset.com. So Mindset Mike back here again coming to you from Houston, Texas. I'm joined today with your 2017 NCAA semifinalist, Jack Mueller of UVA. Uh, in addition to learning about his wrestling mindset, Jack follows up Seth Gross for our really cool series on the connection between faith and wrestling. So uh, Jack will talk about uh, some things like how adversity has built him into who he is today, how wrestling doesn't define him, how his faith is the backbone, uh, the backbone to who he is, and uh, some other cool things that we get to know about Jack that maybe you don't. So Jack, thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Real honor yeah, I appreciate to be on the it, show. Man. So before we get started, um, I know you listened to the podcast with Seth. What, what were your thoughts? Uh, I have a lot of respect for the guy. Uh, I think that was uh, just really awesome all around. His story is an inspiration to everyone. And uh, just the way he carries himself is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. So. And, and, and it's cool to, you know, you guys are obviously competitors, you know, to have that sort of mutual respect and still appreciate each other for, you know, pushing the things that are important in your life, I think is a, uh, is a testament to who you guys are as people off the mat. So speaking of off the mat, well, um, let's get started with, tell us a little bit about who Jack Mueller is outside of wrestling. You know, what are you studying at UVA? What are some of your hobbies you have outside of wrestling? Tell us about... Um, who you are outside of wrestling. Well, first things first, I uh, would have to say a follower of Christ, uh, first and foremost, but um, I'm a 
double major in religious studies and econ. Um, have a girlfriend for almost a year coming in this weekend. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, uh, what are some of the things that you guys like to do? I know you, I know you see, I've seen you guys post some pictures of doing some fun stuff. What are some things you like to do outside of wrestling? Um, so, like, when I'm with her, we'll just be like, hey, let's go to D.C. for a weekend. Or, hey, let's go to Richmond. And we'll pack up and go. Um, she's a big Fortnite player, <laughs> so it involves a lot That's of video funny. games. It can be annoying because she's really good at it, and I'm not. What's up with so, all the really good wrestlers being terrible at Fortnite? I mean, apparently Seth is pretty good, but Yanni says it's terrible. Ah, uh, well, knowing Yanni, Yanni's pretty bad at all video <laughs> games, so <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, well, he's pretty good at wrestling, so at least at least he's got that going for him. Oh yeah. yeah. He's a freak. So, you know, before we get into talking about your faith, you know, we'll start with some wrestling and mindset forward questions. You know, Jack, you had an electric high school career that carried you into a dominant freshman year at UVA. You finished as a four-time prep national champ, you know, first couple of years were in Texas and then you finished off at Wyoming Sem, two-time Fargo finalist in high school, and this last season you finished your true freshman year dominating all the way into the semis of the national tournament. What do you attribute to your success in high school and to your immediate success your freshman year? Um, well, I had a mindset going in, like, even if it wasn't true, I'd tell people that I worked, or I'd tell myself that I worked harder than everyone and that I deserved it in sort of, like, a way. So I'd go out there having that mental edge, like, hey, I don't do this, so I should uh, go this much harder or uh, – I like didn't go and hang out with my friends on a day where I went out and trained instead at eight o'clock at night, like stuff like that, where I would always put in extra work, um, really gave me a mental, mental edge on, uh, whenever I was going into matches. Um, but I can't attribute like my high school success to anyone other than my coaches. I was blessed with great coaches since I was really young. I had a uh, Kenny Monday, Jamil Kelly and more than one year, like each uh, throughout my youth career. So I had a really good base uh, and uh, knowledge of wrestling heading into my high school career. For sure. You know, you see, so you mentioned, you know, having that little mental edge of knowing that you did things that other guys wouldn't. Uh, Chael Sonnen got quoted talking about, you know, you build toughness by doing things that you don't want to do. You wake up early, you do the, you do extra workouts, you know, you do 15 minutes of stance motion after you're done with live wrestling and then conditioning, doing the things that you don't want to do, um, as something that separates you. And, um, I think I could definitely agree with that. I think all wrestlers and coaches could understand that, you know, we talk about putting in the extra work, but you know, really, um, I liked what you said specifically saying that you deserved your goal. So for us, you know, we have a, a curriculum based program and one of our, one of the worksheets that we have talks about why do you deserve your goal? So it's, it's one of the peak performance um, confidence worksheets that we have. It's not just what are your previous accomplishments? Like what are the affirmations you're telling yourselves? Like, you know, what are some reasons that you have to feel good? It's like, no, why do you deserve your goal? You know, a lawyer makes a case for themselves in the courtroom. And in this worksheet, we say, make a case for yourself why you deserve your goal. And that's exactly what you said. So I, I, I think that's pretty cool. Um, last falls in the NCAA. And 
you know, you, uh, you're a Texas boy town visiting, you know, some of my former wrestlers Shout out to, you know, Patrick and Andrew Munn over at Case Western and UPenn. Um, when you were in town, you did a little clinic for some of my guys. And, and I asked you, I said, you know, what was the reason, why did you tech fall so many guys as a true freshman? Because guys that like to score points usually focus on similar things when they wrestle. Uh, you had told me that your focus was breaking guys. So can you tell me a little bit more about your mindset when you wrestle and what allows you to put up big points on good people? Um, so I don't think I had it as much this year um, for other reasons um but last year especially it was a uh i mean there's nothing better than the feeling of another man breaking at like at your hands <laughs> you know when you feel someone physically and mentally just be uh i know that sounds extremely violent but um i mean knowing that you can just do that it's like uh it's a real like good feeling i guess and doing it in the room and doing it out on the mat uh is so uh i don't know rewarding yeah no i i would probably use the same word so essentially you chase breaking guys your focus is on breaking guys let making them feel weak you could feel them weak underneath your hands and in doing so it makes it easier to win matches now I think you, like you said, you do it in the room. You cha you break guys every day in the room, so it's no different when you wrestle. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't do. They treat <laughs> practice like practice. They treat matches as something different. So when you break a guy every day in the room, when you go into your matches, it's really no different. So, um, you know, you said, you said that it was a little different this year versus last year. Tell me a little bit more about what you meant by that. Um, so last year... Um, the semifinals at nationals, I had, well, actually the quarterfinals at nationals, I uh, broke my ankle wrestling Joey Dance in the third period. Um, so I didn't really get the opportunity that mm -hmm. I wanted uh, in the semis. Uh, I felt like I had been robbed or, um, I don't know, I wasn't able to try and at least finish my goals because I wasn't able to wrestle the best of For my sure. abilities. And that was like my mind in it. Um, so I lost to Lezak and I was like, well, I can't even wrestle the best of my ability. So I'm just going to injury default out, which I completely regret. I wish I wrestled that last day, even if I was going to lose out um, because there's no greater feeling than wrestling at that tournament. Um, and I was being selfish, but I went into like a, a weird state where I was pretty depressed Um throughout the spring and the summer. So I really didn't gain much um, in terms of wrestling. And I didn't have that same desire to work hard every day or wake up early and work out or go uh, and work out on my own in the middle of the night or something like that. I was, uh, I felt sorry for myself and I felt alone. And uh, it's something I figured out at the end of the year uh, and I, I felt far away from my faith. Um, I didn't feel like anyone was on my side. Like I was like, I was asking God, why did you do this to me? Rather than, uh, thanking God for another hardship where I can become better, uh, in my faith and better as a man. Um, 
So that's why I think I had the year I had is because I felt sorry for myself and I couldn't get over That makes it. a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So, and I appreciate you sharing that. You know, it says a lot about you. I know a lot of, most people don't like talking about things that are uncomfortable and uh, you know, really that's, that's, that's how we grow. And you're saying that even for you, the fact that you didn't attack it and didn't deal with it is a reason why you maybe didn't perform as well this year, which we'll talk about later. Um, now, I know you did your your season didn't end well, and we'll talk about it here in a minute. But you did have a highlight of winning the prestigious Southern Scuffle. Um, I'd be curious to see how many guys make the NCAA finals but never win a Southern Scuffle title. Um, you won a very tough tournament. Tell tell us what that tournament, winning that tournament, meant to you, and about that tournament in general. Um, it was definitely some redemption because freshman year I made the finals and lost. To Lee Zach, um, but it just uh, was cool because, especially with having an older brother who wrestled in college and being just a fan of the sport, knowing what the Southern Scuffle is to everyone, um, uh, just meant a lot to win it. You know, <laughs> it's considered one of the toughest tournaments, one of the most prestigious tournaments um, in season. Just felt really good to win it. Absolutely. So, you know. You're, like, like you said, your season didn't end the way that you wanted to, and you didn't make the podium. Um, I have a few questions about that. So what do you feel like was the difference between this year and last year? And I guess you already talked about that, you know, talking about how you missed that hunger. And I guess, you know, again, if you could reiterate, what did you learn from that experience? So you, you talked about what was different, but ultimately, what would you have done different so that people that may – face hardship, let's say, this past season. They, they, they finished their season in a way that they didn't want to. What could they do to avoid what you feel like uh, happened to you? Um, it's going to sound weird, but I feel like this year um, was actually a more successful year for me than last year. And uh, the reason why I say that is because of how I reacted in the uh, right after the tournament. So, I mean... I don't know what exactly was – I can tell you what was wrong at NCAAs. I got caught on my back in both the matches I lost, and getting down by six and trying to come back is uh, – it's a really hard thing to yep. do. Um, but – so I ended the tournament this year, and I was just like, okay, well, um, I've, got a lot of, I've got a lot to do because the goal isn't to be an All-American, it's to win a national championship. So I lost to DeSanto – the first day and I was really upset, but then I was just thinking tomorrow's just another training day to get back to keep working for next year. And so even though I lost to Tade in the round of 12, um, I thought of it as a training day uh, with training partners where I could get better. Um, and I was excited for the opportunity to wrestle in the blood round because that's one of the most stressful situations you can have as a wrestler is, uh, being in that do or die situation and how are you going to react when uh, adversity hits you? And I knew that I hadn't uh, reacted well with problems in the past. So now it felt really good to go after it. Um, and so when I got in the blood round, I was like, well, this is it. I've I'm wrestling someone that I've looked up, up to since I was a little kid uh, when we were training together when we were in middle school and uh, there's no other way I'd want it, you know? Um, and so I was super excited to just go after it and try uh, try to win. 
Um, I lost. But the next day, I was in the room running treadmill sprints, working on technique. Whereas the year before, I was uh, I was upset and didn't want. To, I wasn't in the room for a month. For so sure, I didn't train for. Why months. don't you uh, re- remind everybody who um, who you wrestled? Uh, in the blood round. In the blood round. In the blood round. Yes, in the blood round. Uh, I wrestled Cade Brock and. Uh, so, Kate and I actually have a pretty big history. Uh, whenever I was training with Kendall in high school and middle school, we'd go up to Stillwater and I'd stay with Kate and we'd train for like a week at a time. And then he'd come down to Dallas and we'd train. So, like, we're good friends. So, it was a pretty interesting moment. But, um, you so know, overall, was- overall, you feel like you wrestled well. You handled the situation well. You embraced the opportunity. You were thankful for the opportunity to wrestle in the blood round. Yes. And, you know, it's just a matter of getting better, coming back and working harder. It wasn't something where you feel like you didn't handle it well. You handled it as best as you could. You got, you got beat on that day. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So something I really liked what you said is you kept talking about how, you know, tomorrow was another training day. I've got good training partners to help me um, learn to be better. And you were referring to tomorrow being a training day being day two of the NCAA tournament. Training partners being new guys you were going to wrestle. Um, that's something that, that we talk about a lot. We talk about how, hey, treat it like any other day of practice because that's really what it is. It's just another day of training because it's seven minutes of live wrestling. You do that all the time. This is just, this isn't your opponent. This is just another guy that you're training with. So um, I've heard those sort of things come from Kyler Sanderson talking about that's how his dad would talk to them when they would go to tournaments. They, they, they never went to a tournament. Hey, guys, let's, let's have a great day of training today. Never talked about a tournament. I thought that was really interesting. Who, who taught you to think like that? Um, it's going to sound weird, but it, I didn't really think about it like that until after I lost to DeSanto. I was just upset and like really down on myself because I really thought I had a shot at winning it. Um, and just it wasn't like that at all. Um, so my girlfriend called me and was just like, you need to get over it and treat it like another training day because I know that getting, getting third is an awesome, uh, opportunity for you. Um, but it's just another training day because that's not your goal. Your goal is to win a national title. So you go out there and train like it. And it's funny just cause it would, it would be one of the last people. Yeah. To yeah. Well, I, uh, I would definitely say she's a keeper. <laughs> she's definitely a keeper. So, you know, you talked about the difference in wrestling DeSanto. You got caught on your back, you know, stuff like that happens. Was there any other differences between the first time that you wrestled him and you kind of dominated him? And it was actually, it, it got a lot of attention earlier in the year because he had a lot of hype and you shut that hype up. Um, what, was there any differences besides just the fact that you got caught on your back? Um, he made some in-match adjustments where I would get on, uh, I would take him down and he would, react right away so I couldn't get my leg in which was uh good for him but other than that like the guy has a lot of hype behind him and I think that that kind of made me a little nervous um because everyone was still super big on him but he's uh he's a one-trick pony and I should have uh been more ready um I still respect him as an opponent a lot I enjoy wrestling him because he's just crazy and it's kind of fun to wrestle it um but yeah, other than that, what's I funny? Know. So you know the the wrestlers and the coaches listening to this. Uh, let's talk about how you know the 
this will be the second guy in a row that said, even though he's at the highest level, hype can still affect all of us. You don't just because you're an all American or, you know, you're fighting for a national title. You're one of the best wrestlers in the country. That doesn't mean you're immune to things like nerves and the hype. Seth Gross said the same thing about Tariq Wilson. You know, he was overanalyzing how, how, Tariq was beating all these really good guys. And he's like, I don't know what's going on. You know, he said he started the match. He couldn't get his feet moving and he got taken down five times in regulation. So, you know, those of you that are, that are listening, remember the fan mentality and the hype is a real thing. If you don't have strategies to deal with it, even the highest level guys uh, will struggle with that. So for us, that's in our, in our curriculum, that's present moment week one. So identifying the hype that's around you, identifying the hype and the fan mentality that maybe you engage in as a wrestler, because otherwise, like I said, nobody's immune. We're, no, none of us are Superman. We all or Superwoman, and we're all susceptible to struggling with the same stuff. So I'm glad you shared that. Um, I think this is where we'll start talking about your faith a little bit more. So after the NCAA's, actually, I ran into you at at B Dubs, and the conversation that we had was very reminiscent of the very mature thing that you put on your Instagram, and you said wrestling doesn't define you. And you're thankful for your family, wrestling, and Virginia. Um, a lot of high-level guys define themselves by their success or failure on the mat, um, even what their weight is on that given day, but you don't. I think we can all, right now, those of you that are listening, and Jack, even yourself, can think of guys that struggle with that and can think of guys that didn't have the season they expected to this year. And that probably has a lot to do with it. Wrestling defines their team. Their, their wrestling performance defines their team. Whether or not they win or lose defines them as a human um, versus you said wrestling doesn't define you. So uh, what do you define yourself by? Well, um, you know, I definitely with with Jesus and it's uh, been a real struggle for me to like, obviously, uh, I like to think that Jesus defines me and uh, everything I do um, represents him. However, it's like a hard thing for me to to grasp and like that um, it's like, okay, so I go out there and I take a single leg and like I'm trying to figure out how that re refers to God. But I think that um, you really see who someone is when they're at their lowest mm -hmm. point, you know? Um, so that's how I wanted to handle my tournament is uh, is represent God and how I acted at the end of it. Um, so that defines me. Um, family has always been a huge thing of, of mine. Um, you know, I went to my my right after I lost my match. I didn't I didn't sit around and weep. I went straight up to the stands and I went to my parents and I went to my brothers and I said, like I'm good, guys. Like I'm just happy to be here with y'all and I'm happy to be here with my, my five and three year old nephew who are in the stands watching um, and just like having fun with them, uh, playing tag with my, my nephews, uh, just laughing with them. Um, and then other things too, like school, uh, girlfriend, everything, you know? So just when I was explained, um, my brother Keegan, was uh, in a low point in his life uh, in college, because everyone goes through those. Um, he went to a psychology professor. His professor noticed that he had uh, he'd been down on himself, and he said, Keegan, like, when something goes wrong in your life, everything else that you have in your life um, 
will pick it back up. So my wrestling went down, but my family was there for me, and God was there for me. Friends were there for me. School was there for me. And it helped pick my wrestling. My wrestling doesn't revolve around, or my life doesn't revolve around. And I think, I think that's a huge, a huge thing. You heard the same thing from Jordan Burroughs. Uh, Jordan Burroughs, when he lost at the Olympics, he said, obviously, I'm disappointed. I'm sorry to disappoint everybody, but I got a God that loves me. I got a family that loves me. I got kids at home that, are, that, that, I'm, that I can't wait to see. And talking about how there was so much more to life than wrestling. And when I saw your picture, I made a comment and I said, you know, wrestling is the icing, not the cake. And oftentimes, you know, when we talk about that metaphor, people make wrestling their everything. They, they don't become a state champion. They feel like they failed at life versus there's so many other things to be grateful for. And, you know, there's so many other things that are more important than what we do in wrestling. Wrestling should be a platform and a vehicle to promote whatever it is that's bigger, to, to promote and glorify whatever's bigger in your life. So for those that are very deep in their faith that I've been around, like Kyler Sanderson, like Brad Pataki, like a lot, like Tom Ryan, you know, you hear about those guys and guys like Kyle and Jordan, you know, they, they talk about, uh, you know, wrestling is a vehicle to glorify God. So whatever your, whatever is, you don't have to be deep in your faith or to be a Christian, understand this, but wrestling should be a vehicle to deliver you to, a higher purpose or to, gl- to glorify whatever your higher purpose is. And if that's your faith, that's great. If that's something else, that's great. You know, I feel like everybody, if they were able to have that um, perspective that you have, that guys like Seth has, I think it's, that's where you're able to get through these low points in your life. So we'll talk about, in, in about two questions, we're going to talk about exactly that. Um, something that you had mentioned to me. So with your faith, what does what does your faith mean to you and how does it impact you as a wrestler? Um, well, my faith means everything to me. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just, everything I do involves my faith. Um, whether it is how I uh, talk to someone that's walking down the street or when I'm uh, out on the mat and taking shots and I get frustrated, how am I going to react? Um, that's based on my faith. Um, but as a wrestler, like, just how I handle myself, I think that... Uh, I, guess, I guess what's the, the impact of your faith on... Like you talk about how you handle yourself. What's the impact of your faith on how you are as an athlete or who you are as an athlete? Um... It is a, uh, it's just a lot to do with it. Um, I don't think that I'd be in the place I am right now without mm-hmm. my faith. So it helped me, it helped me lose and it helped me win. Absolutely. So coming out of high school, you could have gone anywhere you wanted to, but you chose to early commit to UVA. And I work with Detroit Catholic Central in Michigan, top eight team in the country. And one of their best wrestlers is coming to you guys next year, uh, Ben Kamali. And he also early committed to UVA. When I asked him about it, you know, the first thing that, that, that came about was him talking about and how, how, how deep he was in his faith. And that was very important for him to wrestle for somebody like that. So Coach Garland's well known for that. How much did that play a role in you choosing UVA? Um, to be honest, it was, it was, uh, pretty close to everything. So there, there's two reasons why I committed to UVA and one is, uh, Coach Collin, the other is the atmosphere. 
uh, beautiful campus, and I loved that. I loved how I could just be happy um, if everything was going wrong. Uh, I would just be able to look outside and just fall in love with the place. But Coach Garland uh, has been through everything in his life, and he's uh, he's so wise and just really deeply rooted in his faith. And I felt like I could be led by that um, and just become a better man because Coach Garland cares more about how I'm going to become like a man uh, in my own faith than a wrestler. Obviously, he wants me to win. Obviously, he wants me to go out and complete my goals. And he's going to help me do that to the best of his abilities. But um, if I don't, he's still going to be right beside me. Um, you know, just wanting, leading me on the path to God. So. That's very reminiscent of what I'd heard of what I've heard directly from people that have graduated from the Penn State program, the Ohio State program, and they talk about how God is the center of their team, from coach to athlete to parent, top to bottom. And for you guys as a team, what do you feel like having a coach and having athletes around you that share that same uh, foundation? What sort of role does that play in the culture at UVA? Well, um, this is a tough one because I don't want to be like down on my team, but I think that there's, and I'm sure that it's like this in other places too, but there's a, there's a lot of times where it feels like there's, there can be a split on what people want to do with their goals and on what people want to do with mm-hmm. their life and uh, worldly materials get For in the sure. way. Um, but like all in all, I think that it leads, it leads people to a better For place. Sure. Um, even if people are on uh, different paths and don't have the same faith, I think it, uh, it really sets a good tone. I mean, at the very least, you know, having a leader, that has that sort of that embodies that sort of thing is definitely impactful. Like I said, traveling all over the country the last two years after leaving the FBI, I've been in a lot of <clears throat> I've been in a lot of great rooms and had a lot of perspectives from people um, top to bottom in the wrestling world and people that are deep in their faith and have no faith and anywhere and all in between. And you know, I'm no martyr myself. It's just what I've noticed is that those the teams or the the coaches and the athletes that have that uh, their faith in common, there's a much deeper perspective. Why was Mark Hall able to lose a national title and within minutes be the first person who's the absolute most excited, screaming um, in joy for Bo Nickel winning an NCAA title? And I think that's a lot deeper than just being a good teammate because like – like you said, after you lost, you were real down on yourself. Within minutes of him losing, he was so excited for his teammate. Um, why don't you, you know, what was your thoughts on that? To see him lose an NCAA title and then minutes later be jumping in his teammates' arms. I was impressed. Um, I know Mark from like OTC stuff uh, and other things, youth tournaments, whatever. And he's always seemed like a pretty uh, genuine guy. So it was really cool to see. Um, you know, that's just really impressive uh, because you always see that guy win. No one really ever sees him lose. And uh, he finally loses. And what does he do? He goes up and hugs hugs the next yeah. guy. So very, very impressive. impressive. Uh, so interesting. 
So, you know, again, those of you that are listening, this, this podcast isn't about trying to, you know, promote an agenda. It's not saying that you have to be a certain way. It's just given the perspective that, you know, there are some wrestlers, a lot, in a lot, many at the highest levels that really attribute their success as a wrestler and as, you know, a man and a woman to their faith. You know, we'll talk about women, talk about Helen Rulis. That's another person who's very outspoken in her faith and first, you know, U.S. Women's Olympic champion. I think it gives her a lot of perspective. So I, I, I'm to explore more into, you know, this, this topic. And I think it's important regardless of where you stand in your faith. It's important to understand and hear this perspective. So you said wrestling doesn't define you. And you kind of touched on what I'm about to say. Um, I quoted you saying, I found out who I am through the lowest points in my life. So we talked a little bit about, you know, you losing in the semis, uh, losing in the semis last year and how that made you feel. Um, But a lot of people probably don't know about what happened to you in high school. You know, you lost your brother and shortly after you won a Fargo title. So talk us through what it was like to go through that terrible experience and not only survive, but use it as motivation to have one of the best high school careers in the country. Um, so I was at a camp in Ohio and uh, my mom's pretty overprotective. I love her to death, but I'll, um, I'll agree with that. Shelly. <laughs> she uh, shows up at the camp. And so we're all on the bus and we see her and all of my buddies are like, Oh, Mrs. Mueller's here wanted to wanted to watch Jack wrestle, blah 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 blah. And I was like, Yeah, this is weird. Why is she here? And so I get off and find out the news and we just both start breaking down and it's like it's all like all of a sudden the mood changes. It's like, okay, well I I gotta do it for him. Like uh I gotta because he was a big supporter of me. He uh you know, he loved watching me wrestle, he loved uh the success that I was having and so it was uh, just some. It was a big hoorah for him. For sure. And so, well, I uh, I didn't just win Fargo. Like I won and didn't get scored and didn't make it out of the first period. I sure. I do rem- I remember that post. I, I I do remember that now. And you know, it's most people go through something half as difficult as that and break. You know, you see them be a completely different person. Seth Seth talked about that. You know, after what happened to him at Iowa. Um, quit wrestling and then started working at Target. And that's what happens to a lot of people when they go through adversity. And, you know, you and Seth, again, both being people deep in your faith, you were able to find perspective and realize that adversity doesn't define you. You can define how it affects you. And you were mm-hmm. able to redistribute that into something positive, not just, you know, on the wrestling mat, but off the wrestling mat. So obviously that was one of the, that must've been one of the lowest points in your life. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, like you talk about glorifying God, I'm sure everything that you do also glorifies your brother. So he's, uh, he must be very proud. Well, like another thing is like, um, wrestling has let me down so many times. It let me down this year, let me down last year. Um, and it's never going to give me full satisfaction. I'm never going to find, um, never going to find real joyful value from it. Mm. Like it's going to be, it's going to be something that I'm always going to love. And it's going to be something that I'm always going to love to do. But in my mind, the only, the only thing in my life that's never going to let me down is, uh, is my God is my faith. So that's, 
I mean, you mentioned what does that have on an impact as me as a wrestler, and I think that it has an impact for me as a wrestler is that I have I literally have nothing to lose. I've already won in my mind, wow. so I just can go out and win. And that's from a speech from Coach Garland, so I'll plug him in. Yeah, there. that's that's definitely really impactful. I'll uh, when I when I when I go back in this podcast, I'm I'm definitely gonna quote that and put that somewhere. That was very cool. So. You know, if you're not folk, if you're not, if you've got nothing to lose, you know, maybe you, you wrestle as if you've got something to prove. What, what does that look like to you? Like when you're going out there and you're wrestling and you're wrestling, like you got something to prove and you're enjoying this moment. Like what does Jack Mueller at his best look like? Um, he's just having fun. Uh, there are a couple of times where there's some matches where I'm just going out there and it doesn't even seem like it's me. Uh, for example, I think that the matches leading up to the Cade Brock one, like especially the Chaz Tucker one, um, the guy is so good at defense, and I took him down three times. I think that that was a big match for me and where I was just like letting everything loose and just going out there and attacking. Um, riding DeSanto for six and a half minutes yep. was pretty, pretty much like yep. that. That's impressive. Um, you know, just like... If anything, um, it's when I lose, too. It's like uh, saying good match to Cade Brock after he's an All-American and I'm not. Um, I think that's what it looks that's awesome. like. That's awesome. So, obviously, I just interviewed Seth Gross last week, who's very outspoken on his face. Um, how do you feel guys like him, Kyle Snyder, Helen Marulis, Jordan Burroughs, being so outspoken in their faith benefits the wrestling community and maybe the, you know, the um, – just the, the the general community in general. I think it's awesome. Um, I uh, I really respect it. I love seeing uh, I love seeing tweets and Instagram posts that have uh, different verses and people like that. But at the same time, it's like sometimes I get obviously not those people, but when someone is like all about one verse or something and it can come off hypocritical mm -hmm. like that scares me because a big fear of mine is like okay if i do something wrong like am i gonna be looked at as a hypocrite right. because that's a that's a big fear of mine uh personally um which shouldn't be it's stupid um so I respect it if, uh, if people can. Yeah, absolutely. Out. If it's genuine, if you walk the walk, talk the talk. So, you know, let's call the elephant out of the room. I think there's a lot of people that are not very cool that, that, um, are, are deeper in their faith, but they don't feel like it's cool. Um, they don't really, you know, they don't talk about it. They're kind of, there's, there's, there's the Seth Grosses of the world, the Jordan Burroughs. And then there's a, a lot of other people that kind of keep it to themselves and there's nothing wrong with that. But why do you feel like people look at religion and being outspoken about it as kind of taboo? Um, I don't know. I mean, you, uh, you look at people and you see what defines them. And it's, uh, I mean, if someone is an Olympic champ and they walk into the room, it's like, oh, that's an Olympic champ. Like, uh, I got to go take a picture with them. I got to go talk with them. I got to have like a, uh, a great conversation with them, blah, 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 blah. Like, worldly things define people. Um, that's what's cool, you know? I think it's, uh, 
faith is something if you can try and make it cool or if you see it cool in your own eyes and you go out and live it, like people are going to see differences in those yep. people. Um, I mean, I, I definitely see it in Seth just cause uh, like I've like, I, I've watched him and like studied him because that's the guy who I had to beat. Um, and just like, I can see him walking the walk. For sure. And I think it's really cool. And, and I think you see it. So people are like, what's up with all these guys at Penn state? Like, having fun and joking. Like, what is this? Like, why are we not being serious and, and, and being For super sure. tough? And I, I, I asked those questions. And then, like I said, I met Kyler Sanderson. We talked for over an hour. I'll be at, I'll be at the camp with Kale and Zane Rutherford um, in Utah for a couple of days and, you know, working with Brad Pataki on his high school team, you know, product of Kale, having Tom Ryan as my club coach growing up. I, I I started putting the pieces of the puzzle together as they started talking and it's, it's very much, you see, it's not that they're just recruiting great talent. They're recruiting a very specific type of person and those specific type of people do very specific type of things. And you can get a kid like at Penn state, they were most happy with a couple of years ago, one of their walk-ons all Americans and every how they were more happy about having a walk-on that All-American than winning a national title. And like I said, I think a lot of teams maybe recruit, you know, when we talk about culture, put faith completely aside, a lot of teams tend to recruit good wrestlers that are maybe just not bad kids. Like maybe you try to, you ideally you recruit a great kid, you try to recruit really good kids, but what is a good kid like? And wrestlers go to schools and they don't work out because they didn't fit in that culture. And I think, like I said, that you know the culture that you have at UVA, the culture that these guys have at some of these other schools. I think that's really that speaks a lot to people. Whatever it is, whatever their whatever their talk is, they're they're walking it too. You're recruiting a culture so that when they get there, they there's no assimilation process. They just fall in like a fish does in water. Um, so wrestlers that are strong in their faith tend to talk about gratitude, thankfulness, and opportunity. You've actually said those words. I was thankful for the opportunity to, to wrestle in the blood round. Um, you hear lots of people talk about that. at Sanderson wrestling Academy in Utah. They actually have a set of gratitude t-shirts, Brad Pataki. Like I said, you know, not to plug the same people. I've just, you know, I talk to and I'm around these people all the time. His hashtag on almost everything is gratitude. And I could see that spending three days with him. He was just such a grateful person for everything. What's the value of gratitude in high level athletes? Like what does that bring to the table? Um, I'm still figuring that out myself in this, in a way, but I asked uh, Trent Paulson right before the blood round match that I had. And I said, you ever wrestled in the blood round? He's like, yeah, three times. And I was like, you ever lost in the blood round? He's like, yeah, a couple times. And I was like, so you won? And he said, yeah. And he was like, I was like, what's the difference? And he was, he just like being thankful for being there. It's pretty cool. Um, the, other, the other times I was in there and I was just like, oh man, this is so nerve wracking. Like, oh, this is so stressful. And he, uh, the time he won, times he won, I don't know if he won it once or twice. He said he was, uh, he was very thankful. And he was like, sweet, I get to go wrestle. I get to go rip this guy's head off. Um, super grateful for this opportunity. Um, I think that 
whenever you appreciate the things that do define you in life and you are thankful for everything that you get, because obviously hardly anyone gets the opportunity to go wrestle in the NCAA tournament alone. Um, you go out there and you're thankful for every moment. It's a, it's a dream. It becomes more of a dream rather than a, a work. It's you get to do this rather than. You Absolutely. Have to do so, you know, the first principle that we have every single one of our athletes and teams say, we make them say four things every day uh, before and after practice or when they wake up. And the first one is being thankful for the opportunity to wrestle, thankful for the opportunity to wrestle. I'm aggressive and relentless. I have no fear of losing or making mistakes and I never give up, but thankful for the opportunity. Um, I think that is a great, um, a great thing that I didn't really realize how valuable it was to the last few years, hearing guys like Trent and you talk about that and all the other people that we've been through having expressed how gratitude is what changed them. So Haley Agello, if you worked with the women's Olympic team for two years and leading up to Rio, um, when I had interviewed her previously, I'm sorry, when I interviewed her after Rio, I said, you know, how did you deal with being a first time Olympian and being out there and all the hype? And she talked about thankfulness. She said, you know, you guys talk about being thankful for the opportunity. Every time I found myself getting nervous or, you know, getting worried about what might happen and letting people down, I was, was reminding myself how grateful I was to be here. Nobody picked me to be here and I'm here. I earned this spot and I get to enjoy this moment. So I think it's interesting that when you get to the high levels, everybody speaks very similar lingo. You don't all get trained by the same people, but the lingo tends to, in one way or another, sound very similar. Uh, one last question before we go into you know what I like to call like the mindset quickfire. And Seth's shirt, you saw he had those uh, those wrestlers' faith shirt, uh, the one the shirt that said "Wrestle for him." What did you think about that? Um. I thought it was really cool, and I wanted one, but I thought it would be weird if I you know, <laughs> bought one from him. <laughs> um, but uh, I think that's awesome. Uh, I talk about my brother a lot because I look up to him, um, and he wore a uh, Jesus Christ is Life uh, FCA wrestling shirt all throughout college. Um, so it kind of reminded me of cool. that. Um I, I think it's, I think that was awesome. very cool. So for any of you that are curious, um, the shirt came from a company called wrestlers faith. You could find them on wrestlersfaith.com. There's actually a lot more than just that one t-shirt. They have a whole bunch. So wrestlersfaith.com. I think they're on Facebook too. And I thought that was really cool. Like that it couldn't have been a bolder statement. And I mean, obviously his Twitter handle too, but you know, that, that was a pretty bold statement and it's, and it's, and it sent a message. So, um, if you, if anybody you're interested, and Jack, if you want some, I'm sure if you uh, hit that guy up, he'd be happy <laughs> to help you out. So, sure. any final things you want to add before I, I kind of fire some questions at you? Um, yeah. So when uh, when I mentioned my team, obviously they're all my brothers, mm -hmm. um, and I love them all, and I they're like all of us are on the same path and we all want greatness. And so if that came out wrong, like I didn't mean it in any way. I just know that there are some, sometimes it's like not everyone has the same yeah. faith. Uh, not everyone has the same values. So that's why I feel like there can be a split, but I'm sure with every team there's like, uh, there is something like that. And, uh, 
just uh, like I said, like, uh, I'm thankful for everyone that supported yep. me uh, to this moment. God, family, uh, friends, girlfriend, everything. Uh, everyone. That girlfriend of yours gets a heck of a lot of plugs. For sure, you know. Um, I really like her. <laughs> so, you know, the um, I, I think, you know, in your post, I heard you talk about, um, you know, you also mentioned, you know, thankful for everything at Virginia. Obviously, your teammates are included. I think anybody listening to the podcast definitely understands the perspective of what you're coming from, you know, and, and if people mm-hmm. got bought up into into any sort of like any sort of thought process other than exactly what you said, you know, shame on them. I think we all realize we could all have the same mission that doesn't mean that we follow the exact same path, you know, or we don't have the exact same exactly. ideologies, but we support generally the same things kind of like, you know, not to relate, not, 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 um, not to, you know, go back to what we were saying about the mindset principles, but you know, every team's, every team has like core values. Every team has specific things that they focus on that they want to be known for. But even, but mentioning those mindset principles every day, those are still four core things that regardless of what you say to yourself after practice or UVA stands for this and, you know, South Dakota state stands for that. It's, you could still be grounded in a couple basic things, but while still being very different people, you don't have to live the same faith. You don't have to make the same decisions. But like I said, ultimately you guys are led by a guy that, um, communicates and demands a very specific uh culture so all in all i, I think it was mm-hmm. good I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that but like i said if uh any of you thought that shame on you um <clears throat> so quick fire i'm gonna ask you 10 questions um for you and you know kind of give a, a quick response as to your thoughts so first one you know wrestling people say is 90 percent mental what's the value of mindset uh for a wrestler and why should a wrestler train it? Uh, I believe that you've won or lost the match in the beginning or before the match has even started. You believe you can win, uh, then you're going to go out and at least give it your all to mm-hmm. them. So we talk about things that you can control. We mentioned effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. What do you think are the things that you can control in a wrestling match? Um, just how you, how aggressive you are for sure. Um, you know, I would say rate of attacks, but your rate of attacks can, um, like only, uh, apply to you. So someone like how Day can shoot as many times as they want, cause they're in such good shape, but, uh, someone who's not in as good a shape, they can only shoot as much as they, they, uh, they can. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's funny you say that. So, you know, we say effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. Kyle Snyder says effort, attitude, and attack rate. Um, so it's, it's essentially the same thought process for all, for all three of us. So, you know, one of the other things that I had asked, like I said, so the value of mindset you said is very important. What, what is, if, if we're talking about how it's such an important part of wrestling, um, you know, strength, obviously being a factor, technique, conditioning, why should a wrestler train how they think? Um, you know, I think that, uh, how you think really uh, it just it just changes how you wrestle. I can there's like two or three different types of uh, jacks you're gonna get when you're out when I'm out there. Like I'm either gonna be on uh, firing in all cylinders, going out there, scoring, wanting to score more, 
or you're going to get the jack that's trying to hold on, or you're going to get a jack that's just caught in the headlights and doesn't look like he's out there wrestling. And that's all my, like, uh, I can only reach my highest goals if my mindset is, uh, is where it needs to be, where I believe I'm going to win and I'm thankful for it. For sure. Um, so our, our curriculum's broken down into a number of topics. I'm going to name a couple of them. Uh, confidence, mental toughness, relaxing under pressure, self-knowledge, motivation, present moment, clarity. Which one of those do you feel like is the most important part of a wrestler's mindset? Confidence, toughness, relaxing under pressure, self-knowledge, motivation, present moment, clarity. Um, I think self-knowledge, you know, knowing who you are, um, knowing how to, uh, get yourself out of a a bad mindset. So sometimes you can catch yourself thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose knowing how to get yourself out of that, uh, knowing how to get yourself into a good mindset, um, and knowing how you're going to react under pressure and how to change that. Uh, it's funny. Bad. So it's funny you say that. So the, you know, we have about 60 worksheets in the curriculum, hands down. The largest section is self-knowledge. Um, you mentioned how to, how to, you know, when you start thinking negatively, how to stop it, that's self-knowledge week six reset button. So it's like I said, whether, whether or not somebody does the program guys at the highest level, we all, we all, we all talk the same lingo. So it's, it's like I said, I always find we, I always enjoy hearing, here in high level athletes, we all think and talk about the same things. Um, you know, the difference is like, it's funny. I was talking with Yanni a while back and I was like, uh, we, we were talking about the importance of mindset. He was like, man, you just gotta have it. You just gotta have it. And I'm like, well, not everybody can either have been blessed with the opportunities (laughs) you had and not everybody's Yanni. So, you know, for the rest of the world, (laughs) like training it is, kind of important because we're not going to get your, ta- not most of us can't get your talent and yeah, maybe you, maybe you have it, but how, how about everybody else? You know, <laughs> the dude, <dudes are> <laughs> <is>, everybody says <laughs> the same thing. See, and, and it's funny. I think we talked about that on the podcast. I said, everybody calls you a freak. He's like, I'm not a freak. I just work harder than everybody. And I love wrestling. <laughs> Yanni, Yanni. Yeah. Yanni was definitely a very interesting person. I think, uh, he has a great wrestling mind and he does a lot of things right. And, you know, he's mm-hmm. like you been around special people for a long time. Many people can't say that, you know, they, their youth coaches were Olympic champions, all Americans. And uh, you worked with like Tanner Gardner and Jamil Kelly too, right? Yeah. So Tanner's here in Houston. He's uh, killing it at Rice University. Yeah. Tanner's, Tanner's a man. man. He did a fundraiser clinic for me. Uh, I guess it would be a year or two ago. Great, great, great guy. So moving forward. So like you said, self-knowledge, most important. So pre-match routine, super important. You got to treat every match the same. One of the ways we do that is by warming up the exact same way. Do you have a specific pre-match routine that you do before every match? Uh, yeah. So it depends on if it's like a morning or afternoon session. I don't really like drilling in the afternoon um, because my body already feels beat up. So drilling in the morning um getting the live going uh a certain amount of time so i like going like a period it's like a three minutes on your feet period and then uh a couple 30 seconds on the mat and then sprints and then uh i do this weird thing where i slap my legs my chest and my head to just like know that i'm in it so i'm like okay now i know 
Like that's well, well it's, it's pretty simple. That's things. that's how you flip your switch. That's your switch. Your your yeah. your switch. So like Mark exactly. Schultz would flip his hoodie. You know, Eminem in the in the movie Eight Mile when he puts his hoodie when he puts his hoodie over his head, he goes from Marshall Mathers to Slim Shady. For you, it's doing that smack. It's doing something every single time. So we talk about in our mm. in our pre match routine. You know, there's four key elements: dynamic uh, dynamic exercises, an element of fun, deep breathing, uh, drilling, and hand fighting, and then uh, you know, positive self talk. What's your element of fun? What's something you do to keep it light before your matches? Um, so I listen, so I make a, a playlist before like big tournaments and, uh, certain matches and it's just got songs that remind me of certain people in my life. Um, and so I just think of good times with, uh, with friends and family and like just start laughing or, or dance to the song. Um, so that's how I find, find some fun in the world, cool. uh, good music and good times. So- uh, Greg Jones, three-time national champ from West Virginia, and he is my partner in the martial arts mindset program. He's down in Florida at uh, Hard Knocks 365. It's a gym of nothing but absolute hammers. They have 22 UFC and Bellator fighters. <laughs> you know, I yeah, I walk in there and I see like Logan Storley, Kamara Usman, uh, Michael Chandler, and those are just some people that the wrestling community might know. Then if you're in MMA, you know, you're looking at Michael Johnson, you're looking at Vulcan. Again, I'm just naming a handful of the absolute monsters that they work with. So Greg and I, um, you know, we write for Flow Combat every Monday, and one of the um, articles that we wrote, he talked about how at the highest level – that doesn't mean that you don't get tired at the highest level. It doesn't mean that you don't get nervous. It's about what you do with it. So you even mentioned that you get nervous. So you, you, when you get nervous, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? Um, well, I like having a little bit of nerves. I like being a little nervous because it keeps me on my yep. edge. It keeps me in that fight or flight mm-hmm. stage. I like to think, um, but when I get too nervous and I'm like, crap, like, I may actually lose or something. Um, revert back to my basics, and uh, I calm down through certain things that I've, I've read, either in scripture or just uh, certain things that people have told me. Um, a lot of wise phrases from Kindle Cross, especially. Just what's uh, a wise phrase that he's to told you? Give me an example. Uh, well. I used to freak out when I'd lose and he'd just, I mean, this is a basic thing, but, um, sun's going to rise again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, life's not over if you lose. So that was a big, that was a big, uh, turning point in my career. And that was really little. For so. sure. For sure. So we talk mm-hmm. about the predator prey mentality. Uh, it's kind of the crux to our program. It's not about, you know, lions and tigers. Um, you know, the, the idea is that, Predators have eyes in the front. Prey have eyes on the side so that they can pay attention to everything around them. Predators are only focused on what their objective is. And in wrestling, the predator mindset is breaking guys, improving your position, and scoring points. There's literally nothing else that we need to care about during that match. So what do we control? Our effort, our attitude, and our aggressiveness and attack rate. So predator versus prey mentality. What does that mean to you? in wrestling like what is the predator what is a predator mindset a laser focus on your objective not caring about records and rankings not caring about what tournaments you're at talk about how that relates to your wrestling um getting my hands on a guy and uh getting to work so like whenever i feel like i can grab someone and like 
like got him in a tie. I'm like, now I can actually do something. Um, I don't like being touched before my matches because I like uh, I like going up, like knowing that the first person I'm going to touch, I'm going to try and like, do harm to. I guess kill. Yeah, you trying to do harm to somebody. Um, yeah. So uh, I mean, that's what I that's what I do. Like I I sit there and I'm just like ready to ready to grab someone and uh, do my moves. Too. Absolutely. So what are three things you're grateful for? Um, who, I guess, uh, well, obviously just the opportunity to wrestle, um, and the opportunity, like the opportunities that wrestling mm-hmm. has given me, um, uh, family, just being in such a great family. And then, uh, that's another thing. There's so many things. Uh, just the ability to uh, have a free face, mm-hmm. you know? I think that's a very uh, underrated thing. Or overrated, sorry. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of places you can't have your face. You cannot, free. that's right. And, uh, this is, it's just an opportunity to worship. Right, it's, it's, worship. it's something that we overlook. Like, it's something that we overlook, like clean water and a roof over our heads. Um, you yeah. know, during the, during the flood, you know, 60 inches of water came around my neighborhood and, uh, you know, I watched, I watched everyone around me throw out the entire first floor of their house. And I was one of the only people to not have to completely reconstruct my house. And, you know, I had over $10,000 worth of damage in my home, but, you know, I, I, I had to learn what being, what, that I, I, I was grateful that I didn't have to gut my house from top to bottom. I was going around other people's houses being like, wow, I couldn't imagine. I, I thought I was in a bad place. I couldn't imagine what you're in a bad place. My point is, you know, the, the, the power of what nature can do was a very strong reminder to me. You know, people, people feel thankful for a roof over their head when they watch those commercials about starving kids in Africa. Well, when it happens to your neighbor and you watch them get thrown out of their house by things that they can't control, I think that was like a big perspective for me. So next question. Your biggest regret? Um, hmm. Dang, that's heavy. Come on, man. That's the point. (laughs) Um, Biggest regret? Um, You know, definitely one of my bigger regrets is just not not really valuing family as much as I do now. Um, back when Mackenzie was alive, for mm-hmm. sure. You know, um, family's everything to me now. And back then I was so focused on having my own success and really being self-centered in uh, working hard and stuff. And, you know, I just wish that I could hang out with Mackenzie just like one more day and tell him I love him and just uh, and be with him. So... That's definitely my biggest yeah. regret. Just not doing it as much for as sure. Now. For sure. Um, so, what's next for you? When's the next time that you're going to compete? What are your, what are your what are your goals for this summer? Um, you know, obviously you got a national championship on your mind next year, but you know, what's your what what, what are the goals from from now until then? I just uh, I really want to work. <laughs> um, my goals for this summer is just 
work out and get so much better and just I'm having so much fun wrestling like I can't get off the mat like uh I, I wrestle during the off days and I want to wrestle more and uh just trying to get in here as much as I can so that's the goal just keep on having this fun with it um and then I wrestle U23s um in or beginning of June and then uh maybe start working my way down or start thinking about heading back or getting bigger because it's small. Yeah. What do you think, man? You jumped up to 33. You obviously were competitive. Um, what do you think? I weighed like 36, 37 all year. So I may drop back down or I may take a year off and try and get bigger. So I think that's the plan now. But, Interesting. Okay. Uh, I hear you. So last question that I ask everybody, you know, what's, you, I think you already answered it. Maybe you can elaborate. What's your mental edge? Um, well, it was, it was, uh, you know, working harder than doing things that other people didn't want to do. I think it's kind of the way I summarize it. I did stuff that they weren't willing or didn't do. I woke up early. I woke up in the middle of the night. I did all these things that they didn't. So I deserve to win. So I guess, you know, in, in, in addition to that or expanding upon that, if you could. Well, you know, I was working out whenever my body was uh, could handle it. I was working out from <laughs> I'd get two workouts in the morning and two workouts in the afternoon every day, but now it's uh, I can't do that. Um, but I think my mental edge has evolved into just my support mm. system. So I've got my faith to rely on. I've got my family to rely on. I've got my friends. I've got everything. Everything's going for me. Um, and wrestling's just just fun it's uh i have nothing to lose in wrestling i have so much to gain and i have so many people to think i'm a vessel for their success i'm uh just able to do what i love that's awesome man well i appreciate you taking the time to talk today um said a lot of awesome stuff everyone's gonna really enjoy this um how can we follow your career? So, you know, on Facebook or Instagram, Twitter, what, what, what's, what's, what's a place where people can find you? Uh, yeah. So I'm on all three of those. I really don't Facebook a lot unless I'm like feeling like I need to vent. Um, cause that's what everyone seems <laughs> to do. Um, but yeah, Instagram, Twitter, uh, my tags at mules, M U E L S underscore a underscore million. Um, but if you really want to follow me, uh, probably Facebook friend, my parents on Facebook. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. <laughs> they do. It more yeah. Often. I, yeah um, I'd agree with that. Mike and Shelly. Yeah. Taylor. I yeah. agree with that. So, um, <laughs> it's been great following you in high school. Like I said, I've, you know, obviously having a club here in Houston and being close with personal friends of yours, you know, in the, in the, in the Munn family, I'm actually, I've got Patrick and Andrew's brother, uh, in the, uh, in the next room right now. So yeah, yeah. Small world. So, you know, it's, it's, it was great catching up with you. Like I said, when you're, when you're in town in, in uh, the Texas area, when you're back in town at some point, let me know. Um, you know, I, I look forward to seeing you chase an NCAA title next year. And, uh, you know, like I said, um, best of luck. So for everybody else that's, that's here today, um, listening, make sure again, that you follow us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, at Wrestling Mindset, you could follow me. Uh, probably the best place to follow me is on uh, is on Twitter at Mindset underscore Mike. 
and at Instagram, you can find me at the same handle as well. So keep up with us. When you go to fill out your free, you go, you go to fill out your uh, free trial session at wrestlingmindset.com. Make sure you mention this podcast so you enter into a contest. So, uh, for a free T-shirt. So, again, thank you, Jack, for joining us today. You shared some great stuff, and best of luck this next year. Thank you so much for having me. All right, thanks, man. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.